Hey, this is Jake from Strung Out. You're listening to 25,000 Miles. So, uh, Jake from Strong Up. Yes. Um, this is like your ninth show on the tour so far. Probably. Yeah. I'll take that. I, I counted them. I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's nine. Sounds about right, man. Sounds about <laughs> awesome. Right. And Don't you guys played in. Quick. Yeah, and you guys played in Vancouver last night. Yes. And how was the show? It was good, dude. It was really good. Uh, great crowd. Venue was uh, sounding good. You know, nice uh, theater out there. So it was nice, dude. It was cool. Nice. And so, how have you guys found the crowd so far? Is it? Like a lot of like older guys or young crowd it's, or it's a mix. It's surprisingly there is a bunch of kids that are coming to these shows and and that's always a great thing to see because I fear for the youth sometimes that they're <laughs> just not getting rock and roll. Like they're just it's when I was a kid, rock and roll was like the most exciting thing in the world. Guitar players were fucking amazing legends. Like you had MTV, you had all these sources, you had 
the, the entire music industry was just a much bigger thing. And now it's still a big thing, but it's much more, I don't know. Like, I, you don't, when I watch late night television, I never hear a rock band. When I hear a radio station, unless it's classic rock, you don't hear like electric guitars. So I worry for the state of it sometime. But when I see these kids coming out, 15-year-old, 17-year-old, there was like a couple eight-year-olds there in Seattle the other day, front row, and rocking out. So that's like amazing, man. They, they got to carry the torch and they got to live up to, you know, like they got to they got to fill a lot of shoes. Yeah, definitely. That's awesome. Sorry, but it makes me feel good that, that it's going to go somewhere. Yeah. Now, uh, Twisted by Design, got to be one of my favorite uh, Strong Out albums. Thank you. It, I mean, it, when I think Strong Out, that's the album I think of. Nice. Right? And nice. so, like, to, to be here for the, the, the tour for the 20th anniversary of that album, for me, is fantastic. That's great, dude. Thank you for um, making it. Now, uh, Ulrich Wilde is the guy who produced the album. Yes. Back in 1998. Now, that's right. he, uh, he produced Pantera, uh, yeah. later on Death Clock, and right. the Deftones. So yeah. how, does a, how does a speed punk band from California end up getting produced by Ulrich Wilde? Well, Terry Date was one of our favorite producers of the era. You know, he did the early Pantera stuff, the first couple of Deftones records, all the stuff you mentioned. Yeah. And Ulrich was his assistant. So okay. I actually sent a handwritten letter to Terry Date back in like 1996. And because we had used the top two like punk guys and we were like, let's use someone outside of the punk scene. Let's, let's listen to these Pantera and Deftones records. Let's get that if we can like and let's really step it up so I wrote him a letter and he actually sent back a reply saying oh I'm sorry like I'm booked up for like the next two years but Ulrich my assistant if you like what I do he'd probably be a great guy to, to use and awesome. gave me his I guess telephone number at the time so we just basically got a hold of him and worked it out to like you know he hadn't done a lot of projects all on his own he was Terry's assistant so he'd be in there you know doing a lot of the recording doing a lot of the EQing but he was assistant this was the project he took on as lead producer and it was really cool I remember he was a really just cool guy he was uh, from Texas and just pretty laid back and definitely came from a heavy background yeah which was cool and you know was familiar with the punk rock stuff too but we were kind of like let's not use Ryan Green again because he's done he's doing everybody he was like it was kind of like the blasting room of the time where every record coming out was pretty much him yeah and a lot of them were starting to sound very much alike you were getting that same drum kick drum sound you were getting a lot of the, it was just we didn't want to just become another group on fat records using him no 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 offense to ryan he does incredible work and he created a sound that defined that era but uh you know we've always tried to work outside of the norm and and the box and, and sometimes to our detriment but i think it's actually we're always trying to do something new and not do the same thing time after time you want to stand out you've got a particular sound but you yeah. want everything to be you know just that and we've done two different producers for the first two records now for our third record let's 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 keep that that trend and, and, and keep using someone different each time instead of just settling into the same thing and we we've always just really want to push ourselves to the edge of our ability and to a new creative point and all that stuff and it really for us it made sense to try something new each time so you know Ulrich he, he did a great job he was great on the creative side obviously the record is a very well received record of ours I think at the time there wasn't really much else out, out there like it you know not yeah. the honk our horn pretty uncomparable to yeah. a lot of other things coming out at that time and it stands on its own and even today it's, it doesn't really sound dated no and when you think back to 1998 it, it's dated there's a lot of punk rock bands who easily. you can tell yeah. it's from 1998 Scott punk was huge rap metal was big yeah. can't really draw much of a crowd anymore that was huge you know in 97 right. 98 
and for us to still be able to draw consistently and, and have it still like mean so much to the people that got into it then and have new people get into it and, and for it to, like I said, not sound like this dated thing, that's pretty cool. And um, you know, there's things about the record after it came out, we were like, ah, oh, you know, some things mix-wise could have been a little different. And we kind of do that with everything. You're always gonna do that. It's like, you I hear that, so. like, oh, I should have played like this and should have, but like 20 years later, you're like, yeah. yeah, yeah, it is what it is, you know, and it's a photograph in, in a way. It's, it's like a photo of your life at the time, and right. it's what you were all about at the time. And that's why I love listening back to our old records, because it really, it takes you back to where you were literally at that time, that the sound is the sound of your life at that time. So it's really cool that you can put on this this thing. It's like watching a, like a home video or something, but it's a different element of, of, of you know, entertainment it's just it's really cool to still hear it and have it have this impact and have people singing along every night right so that's pretty neat right now you, you brought up something really cool that I was gonna ask about as well um, I mean 20 years ago you released this album right now yeah, it was about that. you decided to tour the album again like 20th anniversary tour of the album right? yeah like obviously some of the songs have stayed on your on your set list yeah, and things like that for sure. but like how long did you like how did you decide that you were gonna to do this again? And then, when that was decided, how long did it take you guys to to kind of iron out all the old songs? Well, like you said, a lot of these songs are standards. So I'd say 30, 40 percent of this album we're playing every show. Right. So those songs, obviously, they're always in shape. The other stuff, there's some obscure ones where it just. I mean, even those songs, we've played them so much over the years. And we actually did this album theme about seven or eight years ago for okay. a small run. Right. So, so we've done the whole album in its entirety here and there. So for us to get it back together wasn't that big a deal. You know, but um, some albums, like there's some albums that we don't know any of it anymore. <laughs> and we play one to two songs off that record. And if we tried to do this, it would take some real crunching. It would, it would right. take getting in there day after day for like a couple weeks and then always playing it on the road tightens it up it's a whole different thing right you know so but, uh, but this record it's not a it's a breeze favorite song to play off the off the album off this one probably matchbook matchbook yeah nice. it's a finale it's the closer it gets the biggest response sometimes it's it's uh it's your last chance to throw out every bit of energy you have you know there's no pacing anymore it's just go for it on that song yeah and um Traditionally, it's our closing song of the set, so that re that's even more so the case. Yeah. Today, it's the middle song of the set. Okay. So, but that, even that in mind, it's one of my favorites to play off of it. I really play, like playing Iceburn because that's a great one that we yeah. don't play a lot. I like to play Mind of My Own because it's just a heavy groove for the whole thing. Ultimate Devotion is a, you know, a fan favorite and just a good heavy song. And uh, Too Close to See is a great one. That's That's been a first song of ours rotating for years and years and years. So... Uh, you know, it's really hard to say. I like them all for different reasons. Nice. It's really what you guys like the most. Is there a song you don't particularly like playing? Not really, dude. Honestly, like I'm, I'm, whatever gets the crowd going. If we play a song and it's dead, and there's no <laughs> response. Right. That's my least favorite song. Yeah, obviously, obviously. But luckily, they all seem to get a pretty good response. Now, you guys have released like upwards of eleven albums. Something like that. And like a, a dozen EPs and singles. You've been on like yeah, compilation if, albums. If you count the live things and the EPs. And our EPs are basically album length uh, pieces as well. Right. So yeah, it's like 13, 14 things, I think. Man. So highlights. Like for you yourself, like if you were going to pick one yeah. one album, what would you pick? Uh, 
it's so tough, you know, it's definitely tough. But, it's like, uh, which one of your kids do you like best? Yeah, you know, I can say there's things about a few of them that are my favorite things of those single ones, like Transmission. Love the production on it. I really love the variety of it. I feel it flows. Every song is like very consistent, like it works well as a unit. So that's one, I, I could say that could be my favorite. I also really like um, Exile and Oblivion is a great one. You know, that was redefining for us. It, it broke a ton of new ground. It was very experimental at the time. And um, it was, it's definitely one of our favorites. Like, I, I like listening to it. Things in the production I'm not in love with, it suffers in that. So that's one. If that had the same production as um, Transmission, that would probably be my favorite all, over, all around. But because of Transmission and the clarity and the power of it, that's the one. If I'm going to put on a strong, strong out record, these days, 80% of the time, it's that. Nice. You know, but I also, I really like Twisted for reasons. I like Another Day in Paradise quite a bit because that brings me back to being, you know, 18 years old and the band in its infancy and just really, the first time we went to a, a real recording studio and the, it was just light years up from what we had done with our demos. Right. So, and it was finally a real album and it was available and it sold, you know, today over 100,000 copies. But at the time it came out and did like 15,000 copies. Like to think you're selling that, like that's a stack of CDs like to fill this room so it's just that was such a monumental thing yeah so i guess i like the monumental records you know? nice. there's, there's, there's ones we put out like a lot of people love suburban it's not my favorite at all a lot of people like american paradox i don't really like it that much compared to some of our other things and some of the other ones in there but we have these like every three records four records sometimes it's like we do something that reinvents what we do and that one is like a landmark type of thing for selfish reasons you know for my own reasons yeah you know whatever the crowd likes you know that doesn't always necessarily match up with what you like the most but they're our employers so yeah. we gotta make them happy if we want to keep doing this for sure for sure um now over the years like you guys have been a band for like almost six years i've been in the band yeah. maybe 27 even i, think I was gonna say it's almost it's almost like the other years. guys would be like 28 29 yeah right now have there been bands that you guys kind of came up with or were good friends with that you feel are kind of in the same league as you that didn't make it that you kind of miss and you think should have made it? Well, I mean, gosh, there's so many artists, great, great artists out there that, you know, for whatever reason, didn't seem to get, like, the, the, the credit or whatever. You know, RKL is a huge one that comes to mind. I mean, they wrote the book for advanced technical punk rock with still, you know, they, they weren't like a pop band, but they, but they had really rad arrangements, you know, and the vocals were pretty rough and gritty. That's really what kept it punk. Yeah. Because the music was pretty in, like, precision you know but so those guys they, they they did well but like they never really they're overlooked in the big picture because you know no effects were huge um followers of them and, and you know us too and Lagwagon, you know Lagwagon right. today is three-fifths rkl of the band so obviously they were huge to the movement and um you know a lot of the other bands it's, i don't know i mean there's been a lot of great bands over the years generally the ones that have stuck around have done well some bands came out put out one or two things and were great but didn't really keep it going, so they've maybe dropped away. But um, I think you get what you put into it, for the most part. I think some bands are definitely overrated. I think there's certainly bands that come out, put out something pretty standard, and for whatever reason, people think it's the greatest thing. Yeah, they it blew up for no reason. Five times the people we draw, or ten times. It's like, what do they have that we don't have? Yeah. And I, I, don't, I can't explain it to you. But, but <laughs> Right time, right place. There's underrated, too. I mean... But a lot of bands were underrated, and then things kind of happened later in their careers, too. There was a band called Clutch. They were in a fat I love band. Clutch. Yeah, right? For the first, like, five, six years they were out, nobody knew who they were. A couple of my friends listened to them, and we would listen to them, 
but dude, they, they wouldn't draw more than like 50 people. Yeah. You know, and then something happened about 15 or 10 years ago where now they're like headlining all these events. They're huge now. I've seen Clutch like seven times. Right. I, I love Clutch. Yeah. Like, uh, I grew up in Calgary, mm -hmm. and like every time they came to Calgary, it's like bang, bang, right. bang. And you can see the crowds getting bigger, bigger, right. bigger. Right. And also, like you said, like all of a sudden they're headlining festivals in yeah. Europe, and just like they're massive. They, they got dropped after like their second or third record. And they've like consistently had like new like record labels, mm -hmm. like new label, new label, mm -hmm. new label. And finally they opened uh, Weathermaker, and they're like, we're releasing our own stuff. Right. Like, forget this stuff. And I think it was really, for whatever reason, they weren't a priority at the labels. They were on major labels, yeah. but they weren't a priority. Other bands, like those were the days when major labels had so much power, they can make or break pretty much who they wanted. Right. And if for some reason you put out this great record and they just didn't give it the attention due to whatever reason, it would just fall through the cracks. Yeah, you think about labels like Hydrahead, like Hydrahead, the massive label, like that, like Clutch is built for Hydrahead. Uh -huh. And there's no, no, we don't, no, it's, sorry. It's just weird timing and stuff, but because yeah, this is a case where the internet has really benefited bands is because now there is no they don't have that power to say this is all you get yeah like now it's all out there and it's really something catches on next thing you know like it, it's like the crowd the the, the the swell around it delivers it the word of mouth travels so fast now yeah and sometimes it's fleeting sometimes it's like oh this band's huge now i forgot about it but i think in their case it's really gone to now where they had great it was always great but now it's reached the people it was meant to reach. And so I think they would say the internet has been a huge benefit for them. Nice. Other bands had much more level, um, had much more success being on a major label. Right. They were one of those lucky ones and they were selling gold every album. Now they're selling, you know, 40,000, 50,000 records, a fraction of what they used to sell, but they're still a huge draw. Right. The big name, they're just not selling the records like they used to sell, because generally nobody is. No. You know? And even bands like Clutch, it's not like they're selling more and more records now, it's just they're playing big shows now because people are listening to the music for free, but they're listening to it. Yeah, and Clutch is one of those bands as well, like, they're, in my mind, just as good if not better live than they are on the record right that's like, a big part like uh, the first time I heard Spacecraft it was live yeah and I felt the bass as opposed to heard it like it's just one of the songs you're just like oh my god like this yeah, is yeah the live thing just like will, blows your mind some right? albums just don't have that, that the chemistry like the song is there the players are all playing on it yeah it's like like the first Raising Against the Machine record that first right. Raising record I mean it's a good record and it sounds good but dude it is so tame compared to what their live show was right I got to see them live before I ever heard them and it just destroyed me I, I was blown away for years by this yeah. band and then when the record came out I was like oh cool I can listen to it but it wasn't as you know it wasn't like the live thing yeah. And there, there are certain bands that really just excel on stage. Like, that's it. They have a hard time capturing that. Nice. But, uh, but I mean, whatever. Like, to these days, if something had to go away, I'm glad that love wasn't the live component of this. Right. You know, I'm, I, I'm much happier being on stage doing the live thing than just sitting around making records all the time. Right. You know, making a record's a fun, creative process, but it's, it's you know, it's getting ready for the show. It's getting ready for it. It's, it's strapping up. You know, before yeah. you go into the ring. It's the hype and the, the, the energy around the show. It's very fun and it's rewarding in its own sense. And like I said, I love listening back to them. But if it was, if today was a not live era, if like no one cared about live music for some reason, but we're only buying CDs, it'd still be cool, but it'd be, I'd be sad to not be on stage. Right. So I'm glad it is what it is. Now, I've had a look at you guys' tour schedule and it's, it's pretty hectic. Like it's like bang, bang, bang. Like 
day after day. You've got like two or three days where you're like you're not right. doing anything. Yeah, on the road it's usually pretty much days. Like right. one day off a week maybe. Is there something like we were just talking about clutch? I know for a fact that Neil Fallon, one of his things, the things that he likes to do, mm-hmm. is he's really big into like Masonic culture. Oh yeah. So he'll go and like look at like old churches and like old buildings and look for like the Masons, like the, yeah. the Master Mason yeah, stamp the and like the, the different things, right? Mm-hmm. And he'll go like he just it, it's one of his things, right? Yeah. Is there something that you like to do in your downtime? Oh man, mostly just get rest <laughs> and hang out. But no, absolutely. Like if we're in town and we have a day off, that's the thing. Usually when you have a day off, you're not in a great place. Right. You know, if we have a day off in Chicago, if we have a day off in New York or something, oh my God, we'll go see everything we, we can right. and take it all in. And those are few and far between, but absolutely. I, I love to go see a museum, go see some historical stuff. Europe, I love to go see like World War II sites, battle sites, anything prominent from the war. Um, just just any, anything kind of historic is really yeah. cool. But man, unfortunately most days off are drive days and you're looking at a whole bunch of truck stops and gas stations. Or you're in like Saskatoon. Yeah. Like, you know, we were just in D.C. on the last tour and I wanted to really go see some stuff around the town because yeah. we, we played our set and we had some time. And just because food didn't come on time and then we had to go on at a certain hour, it's like I, I didn't even get out of the club. I sat in the club all day because you're doing sound check and then you need to be around, you know, if you want to eat at the club and get the free food and then you want so... It's it, it's really limiting to what you can actually get out and see when you have a show to, to, to work around. You right. Know, and that's your priority for the day. That is that's the priority and you see a little bit of the area, but you know, it's pretty limited. But like I said, you know, at our age I'm a, on the earlier tours I think I was more excited about getting out and seeing something new in each city. Yeah. Now it's like I've been here. Like Kelowna itself I've been here probably a dozen times. Yeah. So I know Show's the lake's over right there, bed. I know where the poutine place is, I know, you know, where some but but I'm just down having to hang out. I've got a sore back, so I'm just that, yeah. That's just the most comfortable chair in here. Just I'm chill. Take care of that. So. Awesome, awesome. Um, okay, so the big thing now, like especially here in Canada, the big thing everybody's talking about is this Wednesday, pot becomes yes. legal. Yes. Right. Yeah. Wonderful. Now the big thing that is facing like a lot of Canadian bands uh-huh. is that uh, the American border is like if you've had anything to do with pot, you're not allowed to cross. So really? that basically like pigeonholes. That's all ridiculous. Canadian bands. Yeah. Well, like you have a reference in a song or something. Or no, like like you know, if there's any sort of like um, proof that you have any sort of um, uh, uh, like doctor's note for for like, weed, uh-huh. like any sort of like prescription, right. or you have like stocks in a weed company, right. things like that. Like they're like, nope, you can't come across the board. So I mean, like a lot of bands are, are facing that. So I mean, like when it comes to the music industry in Canada, that's. Yeah. Yeah, one of the one of the things that they are facing. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's so stupid. The whole border situation is so dumb, anyways. Um, yeah, I don't know what to say about that. I mean, honestly, stay away from America for at least another two years. <laughs> Moron, Bill. Welcome to Canada. <laughs> yeah, eh, you guys are a bit. I don't know, a little more sophisticated. Thank you. I'd like to say. I mean, it's it's. We have we literally have half of the country that looks up to a game show host as a president, and. and thinks he's doing a good job. And they're not even just dumb, they actually like it. So, man, just, you guys are better off, dude. Go, go, go ride a moose and hang out, dude. <laughs> Bide your time, because it'll get worked out. I mean, obviously there's Canadian bands that draw a lot of water in America, so promoters are gonna do whatever it takes to get them across. Right. And it, it sucks if it, if it affects the smaller bands. Um, it'll get sorted. I mean, I don't think it's very long until it's completely legal in every state as well. Right. It's legal in like eight states now, and medicinally it's in like 20-some. So it's growing by the year. I think it could be in a couple years completely 
decriminalized. So when that happens, how are you gonna? Yeah, it's not really gonna, gonna say, be a thing. You know, it's like your band is known for drinking water. You can't come into the state. Like it's, it's just gonna be completely normalized. But that's, that's a crazy thing to have to consider. Yeah. And work around. Now, uh, I do I do the show with my kid brother Joel, uh-huh. and we're both fans of uh, Dominic Gavi from the bass player from Tsunami Bomb. Uh, okay. In fact, uh, Joel was able to do a, an interview with him uh, a couple weeks ago. Nice. And one of the things that we like about Don, uh, Dominic is that he, the, his podcast, uh, I, I don't know if you've ever heard his podcast, uh, no. three questions he always asks is first, best, and worst. That's first show, uh-huh. best show, worst show. Wow. So, first show. Well, my first show was Strung Out. That was at a place in Los Angeles called the Anti-Club. This would have been in 1990. And I'm saying probably like October of '92. Okay. You know, it was like right around there. It was like we had gotten in the band. They played a few things without me. You know, starting to do more actual clubs. So I was lucky that I got her in right at the time when some of these club shows were coming out. So I played that show. And we played a show in our hometown of Cheer- called Cheers. That was in like November or something. You know, like '92. So those were the earliest shows I was involved in. You know, before that I played a couple talent shows, but that was yeah. just not, you know, nothing. Okay, best show best show that's impossible I, mean, <laughs> I can tell you the best show of this tour probably but like in general ever oh, that's ridiculous nothing stands out not one I don't know for certain reasons some things have been monumental like we played in front of 20,000 people in Tokyo a couple years ago with no effects wow. and like seven other fat bands and it was a massive thing so that was huge on like that level right but I, I didn't feel like we had like a great set you know so it's like was that the best show we ever played? No. I was like, maybe my best show was when I was like, get face drunk in like Milwaukee and just like running around the room with my wireless like out of my mind. Yeah, you know? so fun. Yeah. That was probably my best show. There's probably 70 people there. You know? Worst show. Worst show? That's easier because I mean, <laughs> I mean you, me, you always remember the, me the bad personally, shows. Me personally, I've got to say my worst show was in Boston about 10 years ago, like 2009 or 10, where I got so drunk with my buddy Scruffy from the Dropkick Murphys and a couple right. of his friends that by the time I got back to the show, I was completely hammered. Like I had probably had like 10 to 15 drinks, like strong drinks, and was just like completely confident in my ability and just got up there and just threw my guitar into the wall after like three songs because I could barely play anything. Man. You know, I was just like, and like, you know, and I ended up passing out behind my amp and the band just played the rest of the set without me because I was just destroyed. So that's got to be my worst show. Right. You know? But that, that being said, I don't think it was probably the band's worst show. Yeah. The band's worst show could have been like, we played uh, we played like New Orleans a couple years ago right. and like our drummer is sick and like we, when your drummer's off, then the entire machine is off. Yeah. You know, that's basically like you blow a motor. Yeah. So that show I remember being like hideous because like, we couldn't even get through the set. That was like a real bad one, you know, but it's so hard to say, you know. But, but there's a few candidates. There's a few candidates for shows where it's just, for one reason or another, it's technical problems going on. It's everybody playing bad. If one person's playing bad, okay. But the rest of the band, if they're doing okay, you get through it. Yeah. But when there's shows where seriously it seems like the entire mechanism breaks down and everyone's just like, what was that? You know? <laughs> so there's been a few other shows. I, I know I've had that feeling. I don't remember where it was. Yeah. But um, they, they, of course they've happened. Now, when you say Scruffy, you mean, do you mean Josh? Yeah, Josh. Yeah. 
Uh, I know Josh. Yeah. I, I grew up in Calgary. Yeah, yeah. My name's Josh. His okay. name's Josh. Right, yeah. And it was like one of those things, like, you yeah, know, I'd see guy. him at like all sorts of different shows. Like, I've seen him, I don't know how many different times at the Murphys, but the thing is, like, we all grew up around the same, like, group of kids. Right. So I'd be like, dude, is, is Josh, he's a piper for the Murphys? Yeah, right. What's going on? He was always the most modest, cool guy because I think of that. Yeah. You know? like, Big dude, too. Yeah. Fuck and, that, yeah. And he always, it's funny, he, was, he always related, like, Boston to Calgary. He's like, yeah. it's like, Boston's like Calgary, except. On the East Coast. Yeah. yeah. The ocean's there. Oh, sorry, instead of the mountains. I could, yeah, I mean, I don't know either too well. Right. I could probably imagine what he's saying. Yeah. You know, the working class kind of places. Definitely. Now, uh, I want to talk about one more thing and before we finish the interview. Um, I don't suppose you remember 2002 Snow Jam. Oh, okay. In Calgary. 2002 Snow Jam? We weren't on that. You sure? Yeah. Pretty damn sure it was 2002. Uh, the only snow jam we ever did was 94. It was like one of the initial ones. 2002, we were we were up here. We came up here with a snap case and rise again. You played Calgary. Uh-huh. You played Calgary. And Finger 11 was on the bill. Okay. And uh, I think Swollen Members and a bunch of things like that. You played Curry Barracks okay. and Millennium Park in Calgary. I don't know if it, I, I'm pretty oh. sure it was a snow jam. You know, I think I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah, it was a festival. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't. Bro, I didn't think that was the snow jam. It wasn't the snow jam that I'm thinking of. Okay. The, the original snow jam was a Padge Williams, this promoter from, from Montreal. Yeah. He did these snow jam runs that yeah. were like five to six show mini tours. Yeah. And they're primarily like like Ottawa to Quebec City. Yeah. You know, is that region. Right. So that's the snow jam I'm thinking of. And he did a few of those. We only did 94. Now, yeah. the, what you're talking about, yeah, that was the Molson. The Molson bucket. thing, yeah. Yeah, so maybe it was called snow jam. I think so. Yeah. Now, so that was the Molson event. Do you remember the set at that show at all? I remember a bunch of girls came up and just... Do you remember a dude running around the stage? Uh, not really. Okay. I remember the chicks. That was me. Yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> I it. It was super funny because like the the security at the time couldn't catch me. Yeah. I think I was up there for like two songs. Just running around, running around. Nice. And finally, it was just like, okay, I jumped back in the crowd. Nice. But super funny thing is, my kid brother, the dude I do the show with, he actually got punched in the face by one of the security guys. Wow. And like blood everywhere. Ooh. Right. And so he ended up going to see first aid. And uh, they put him in a tent, cleaned him up, and said, stay here, right? So he's sitting in this tent, right, and being told to stay there. And he's hanging out, and all of a sudden people come in, start, like, setting things up. And he's like, what's going on, right? And then you guys come in, and he's like, oh, hey, what's going on? He meets you guys, and then, like, like, people start lining up, and he's still standing there. And people start, like, bringing stuff to you guys to, like, sign, right? And then he, like... Somebody puts some like stuff in front of him, yeah. and he looks over at you guys, and you're like, "Yeah, give it, dude." Yeah, pretty much. And he's like, "So, out there somewhere, there's strung out merch with my kid brother's signature." Yeah, well, yeah it is. you got to find on eBay. Yeah, man. Yeah, funny stuff. No, you know, things like that happen. All sorts of uh, obscure. You find yourself like next to someone crazy in a crazy spot. You know, I mean, it's just very humbling that anyone looks up to our band as you know that level. But I've certainly been next to people where it's like, how am I in the same room as, as these people right now? Right. This dude. And, Is there anybody like that in particular that you can think of at the moment? Uh, not really. Just different cats over the years, like you know, Danzig or guys from Metallica or whatever. You know, big dudes like yeah, you know, serious. Know, players so yeah you know you, you bump elbow with a lot of people if you do this long enough nice nice, nice. that's a really cool part you realize you know it's just a job for everyone it's just different levels you know yeah. you play this room or you play the marina but whatever you're doing you're still giving the same time you're still sacrificing the same things maybe your paycheck is different at the end of the day 
but it's the, the difference in experience is for the, in the big picture of life and what most people get to do. The difference in experience is minimal between what the Beatles did and what we're doing. Yeah, like, we're, we're flying. We're flying in the same universe. Yeah, you know, like obviously it's it's, it's a huge difference, but it's the same ball game. Yeah, and I'm just happy to be a player in that game. Nice. Yeah, I recently saw an interview with Rollins, and he was talking about uh, somebody had uh, did an interview with him, and they were asking him about the the character he played in. Uh, in uh, Sons of Anarchy uh -huh. and they're like well how do you relate to that character and he says well I, d I don't relate to that character at all somebody else wrote it and they gave me a bunch of money so I did it <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's what they say about acting is like the best actors, it's like they're playing themselves. Yeah. They, they either have so much of that role inside them that they define the role, and that can actually be dangerous for an actor, I think. Right. Because then the typecast is like, that's all people want to know because that's you. Or you're the great type of person that can morph into the character it's by studying and by observing and knowing what this character really is meant to be and, and, and somehow harnessing that. Right. So, you know, acting, I think, could be the easiest job in the world or it could be like the most beautiful technical form of art like there's those two you know yeah. you could be on the big bang theory and just get paid 100 million dollars a year yeah. or you can be you know gary oldman and completely reinvent yourself and every single role other people yeah and you know do well but maybe not even do as well as the big bang theory dumbass so yeah it's one of those things man it's what it is cool it's all the whatever you get out of it man as an artist awesome well jake thank you so much for uh, doing the interview. Appreciate it, it a lot. Anytime.